if the habit of being you is not getting you where you want to be and is not having you living a fulfilled, happy life, got to break the habit. So when I was able to finally turn the mirror around and understand that I'm responsible for me, I got one shot at this life. There are no mulligans. This is it. There's no do-overs. You know, I can't hit restart on the gaming system. It's all I got. Welcome to the Space for Magic podcast, where people who are led by their hearts come to learn the secrets to receiving all the gifts the universe has for us. I'm your host, Patty Lennon. I'm an ex-type A corporate banker turned intuitive coach. Using a blend of common sense, brain science, and just a dash of magic, I am here to help you create abundance in every area of your life and business. Welcome. Hey, welcome everyone. This episode of the Space for Magic podcast. I'm my host, Patty Lennon. And today I have a special guest, Scott Aaron. And Scott sent me his bio, but I'm not going to read it because I want to share with you how I found Scott and just, um, you know, some of the magic of synchronicities and then why it matters that we talk to each other. So I came back. Um, I've talked to you guys. I came back from a conference and I was like, on fire, I am going to get my LinkedIn shit together, right? This is, I'm going to get my LinkedIn shit together. And because I was back from a conference where everyone was conversing on LinkedIn, I happened to be reading my LinkedIn messages, which almost never happens. A person that I was connected to left me a message on LinkedIn and said, Hey, Patty, I, I heard you're like shaking up where you're spending time on social media what are you doing here? And I was like, I am doing absolutely nothing here. I just happened to be in here because I just got back from a conference and I figured people could be talking to me. One thing led to another. And she told me about Scott and she just glowed about Scott's wisdom on LinkedIn. So I reached out to Scott and just connected with him. She just said, follow him. You'll see what he's doing. He's awesome. One thing led to another. Scott and I ended up on the phone. And as I started to hear Scott's story about his life, I just felt so strongly to share uh, his story, for him to share his story with you because so often I get questions about receiving rule number five, the 100% rule, where you do your 100% and then you have to let go because there's only so much you can do. At some point, the universe has to swoop in. Scott has an amazing, amazing story. So with that, welcome, Scott. Well, Patty, it's an honor and pleasure to be here. And I, I just want to first start off by letting you and the audience know I'm a very coachable person. I'm very accountable. And on our podcast episode, on my podcast, I made a promise to you. Yes. I made a promise to you that starting the next day, I would do two minutes of heart-centered breathing, focused energy every single morning. And I'm still doing that today. And it's been a few weeks now. And uh, I daily practice meditation. I do a guided meditation every night. But what it's helped me do in the morning, so when Nancy's kind of getting ready, I go in the kitchen and I, I just sit in my kitchen, close my eyes, you know, put my hands over my heart, and I just do some you know, controlled breathing and just some quiet and stillness. It's just very peaceful in my house at that point. And it's been helping me dial in and nail down 
what people are feeling in the universe. So, you know, whenever I decide what I want my morning post to be, I'm always in quiet as far as trying to, you know, what, what do people need to hear right now? And it's really funny because as I sit down within the first 15 to 20 seconds, the word pops into my, to my head as I'm doing my breathing, whether it's, you know, consistency or resiliency or focus or comparison, like a word always mm. pops into my mind when I'm sitting there in my heart centered breathing. And I just want to let you know that, you know, thank you for the push to do it. And, uh, it's, it's really helped me get grounded in the morning and, you know, allowed me to have more of a focused flow. And coincidentally, people, not that they haven't resonated with my morning messages already, but there's been more resonation with what I've been putting out there, you know, with obviously just taking the two minutes. And that's what I want you guys to listen. 120 seconds, I'm sitting there in quiet with my hands over my heart. And it's made that much of a difference. So I just want to thank you for that. I love that. That's right. That was one thing I was going to ask you about, which totally went out of my head because we were having a totally different conversation before we started this interview. <laughs> so thank you, Scott. Yeah. And it's interesting, like what you just did, I feel like is at the heart of, you know, your current success. When I see you, when I was watching you on LinkedIn there's just this tangible one-to-one engagement that you have with people. And that's really what's causing your success or is the heart of your success. But let's go back. So mm. let's go back. So if you're watching this on video, I, Scott, I said, is our first interview we've done with video. And I don't know how it's going to all play out because we haven't used this platform this way before. So if you're watching it on video, you see how Scott appears. But if you're, you know, you're listening to this on a podcast app, I will tell you that the way I would describe Scott is what, um, growing up in New York, I would describe as someone who was like digital marketer, fast pace at the gym, prioritizes his body, you know, like you have an appearance of one, having it all together and two, being of a fur of certain type of mindset you know, like all about success and, but you've actually had some pretty tough early experiences that got you to the place you're in. So I want you to go back to whatever point you want to go back into where you felt like, you know, the best laid plans don't always create what we want them to. It's really interesting that, you know, when I think about it, when I talk about it, because when you're in the moment, you don't see anything that you're growing through or going through as anything not normal. It's only when you peel back the layers and look back on your journey that you're like, holy shit, that was a messy, messy situation. And it's in those moments where you then, a sense of pride starts to come you know, within you because you realize how far you've really come and, and how far you've really moved forward and the, the obstacles that you had to overcome. So I would say that advantageously, what I went through and the experience that I had happened at the perfect time in my life. I was 19 years old. So I was fresh out of, of high school. I I had just finished my freshman year of college 
at the University of Pittsburgh. And, you know, I was really not even thinking about my future. I had zero. I mean, when I mean no clue, I had zero clue what I wanted to do for a profession. You know, my mom was in clothing sales at a local boutique. My father was in various businesses. He had a large national latex glove supply company where he supplied doctor's offices and dentists with latex gloves. Before that, he was selling barrels and drums in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He was always an entrepreneur, always doing something entrepreneurship, but also he was a big fitness buff. I went to the gym with him as a little kid, watched him work out. He did bodybuilding contests. But looking back, I had zero clue. I love sports. I love people. You know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do for a business. So after my senior year of high school, and as I was entering in uh, my freshman year of college, my father had recently broken partnership with his partner, sold his portion of the company, and he began working for another business owner. They were in the physical rehabilitation space. And basically, for those that are familiar with NovaCare, which is a, you know, a, a national physical rehabilitation chain, they would find locations to place their location in a gym. They would find fitness clubs, have a space, rent it out, get a physical therapist in there, yada, yada, yada. And outside looking in, everything looked great. There was never a struggle financially for my family. Everything was good. And I remember coming back over the summer from my, my freshman into my sophomore year. It wasn't uncommon for my family to have like just a little barbecue, just the four of us in the backyard. That's where we spent a lot of time. And my dad said, listen, there, you know, we need to have a little family conversation, which also was very common. And he said, I just got to let you guys know that I have left the company that I was working with. I am now working for a chiropractic firm and I am cooperating with the federal government currently because the old company that I was with is under investigation for a $9.5 million insurance fraud case. And he goes, I'm in the middle of it. And he goes, I just want to let you kids know that there is a possibility I could get house arrest for about six months. So that in itself was really you know, shocking and alarming. But as things proceeded, uh, my father ended up having to be let go by the chiropractic firm because the origin of the alleged crime happened in a wellness-related business, which my father completely understood. And uh, my dad was then looking for the, the next thing that he should do. So with the help of my two grandfathers, we uh, were able to purchase a failing fitness club in Old City, Philadelphia, that my father was running under the umbrella of my two grandfathers to enable our family to continue to survive. And my dad was there from the minute the gym opened at, at 5 a.m. to the minute that it closed at 11 p.m. every single day for about six months. As the case proceeded. My dad did plead guilty. He wasn't going to fight any of that because he wanted to reduce any charge possible. So when we were on uh, sentencing day, my father ended up getting sentenced to 24 to 36 months in federal prison. 
And he had to serve 88% of that, which was about two years. And uh, I remember driving my my father to, to prison. And before he got out of the car and was led away, he basically turned the keys over of the gym to me. And he said, you're the man in the house. You got to keep this gym going and you got to figure this thing out. So I remember thinking at that moment, it wasn't like, oh shit. It was more, okay, this is what needs to be done. I got my sister and, and my mom to worry about. I got to take the bull by the horns and, and I got to run with this thing. So, and, okay. I want to ask you a question, but go yeah, ahead. Please. So what, if any of this is not fair factored into your thinking? Not so later, mm. you know, in the beginning, I wouldn't say I was peacocking, but you know, when you're 19 and you can tell people you own a business, that's, it's kind of cool. You know, you know, my, my friends were, I don't want to say envious, but I had to grow up really fast. And, you know, I was in a, an area of Philadelphia. It was a very up and coming area. A lot of young professionals. I was five, six years junior of everybody that was in that gym. So I was hanging out with people that were 25, 26. You know, I still had my, my friends from high school that I was hanging out with, but it was, it was really interesting. I grew up really fast and it wasn't until later on where there was a lot of, a lot of regret, a lot of resentment, a mm-hmm. lot of anger, hatred. And in the very beginning, it was, I don't, I don't want to say it was sunshine and rainbows. I had nothing to compare it to. I had, I had worked for myself. I, I started working when I was a sophomore in college. But it wasn't until later on when I did have something to compare it to, when I spent years and years in the business where financially things weren't going the way that I thought they were going to. You know, I found my, my career as a wellness professional, as a personal trainer, as a sports nutritionist, as a you know, class instructor, all of those things, doing corporate wellness speaking, all of those things. I found that way through you know, my father's misfortunes. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until I would say about eight years in. So fast forward, this is now 2005, 2006. So we, we had the first gym and uh, the gyms were turned over to me. So my grandfather's sold the gym to me for a dollar and I became sole proprietor of the gym at 19 years old. I still went to college full time. I, I transferred to Temple University. So I would wake up at six o'clock in the morning, drive to school, go to college for four hours, then drive to the gym and was there till nine, 10 o'clock at night. So I was working full time and going to school full time, did graduate with a bachelor's in HR. And I remember when we opened up our second location in 2002, you know, things were becoming real. You know, we had two gyms and we were starting to make a a mark on the area. We were becoming known in the local Philadelphia area. And then in uh, 2003, something very unexpected came our way. And uh, it was another family that offered us a million dollars to sell both gyms. And this is back in 2003. So again, 17 years later, you know, a million dollars is worth more now than it was back then. And it was an opportunity that we never, ever foresaw happening. We, you know, our goal was to just open up location after location after location. And it, it was a no brainer. I mean, we were 
you know, we were cash positive, you know, the, the business was doing well. So we, we took the deal at 24 years old, I became a millionaire and which was never the plan between 2003 and 2004. I, I just focused on personal training. And then in 2004, we opened up our third and final gym, which I closed in 2016. And it was on the outskirts of Philadelphia. So completely different. So wait, let me ask. So those two gyms you sold, were you still running them and you opened a third under their umbrella or you opened a third totally different business? So, so that we, you know, not to get too technical, but we had a, we had a non-compete Got it. with the family, which we had to be outside of a five mile radius gotcha. uh, because they, de- they, they did see us as competition, but we actually did have a management fee for the first 12 months. So we were actually helping them run the gym you know, get things moving and grooving. And then I, I continued to personal train there for a couple of years. They ended up asking my dad to leave altogether and, you know. Oh, wait. I, so now, yes. Yeah, so where, where was your father in, when you were starting the gym, when he is in federal prison, was your relationship solid? Were you able, like there was no. Nothing. It was, uh, my mom would go visit him on Saturdays. By herself, and my sister and I would go visit on Sundays, and I would print out the week's worth of memberships and what was going on, and we would sit there and we would go through all the numbers and talk about specials we were going to run, and that's where we talked shop. Okay, I'm sorry, I sorry to like because I know where my audience's head is because it's where my head is. So you're this, you know, my son just turned seventeen. You're what? 1920? 19, almost 20, yeah. And you're sitting in a federal prison reviewing membership numbers. I get that in the middle of it, you didn't look up long enough to know this is not normal. <laughs> none, but, of it, none of it was normal. Now, looking back, not as you, the man, but like, can you look back on the boy? Because you really were still a boy. I mean, yes, you were on the verge of manhood, but... The boy, what he needed, and like... Listen, I was a kid, and my, my dad, I remember when I wrote my first book that, uh, that came out in 2016. Uh, it was called Good Guys Always Win. I was very open and transparent in that book about my journey, about my father's incarceration, about all the things that happened to me as a repercussion of his mistakes, but also the the lessons and the victories that came from that. And he was remorseful. He said he had to read the book twice because he read it as my father the first time and he was angry, he was pissed off. But then he read it as an outside perspective and he appreciated it. And he apologized and for any pain or trouble or inconvenience or anything of that nature that he caused. And I told him, I I said, I forgave you a long time ago. I said, I carried around a lot of anger and resentment for years towards him. And it wasn't serving me. And I, I remember it was 2013, almost 2014. Him and I didn't talk for almost two years. I cut him off. I was running my third and final gym, which again was in my name the gym itself. So when just to kind of backpedal, after my dad served his two years, 
He then moved to a halfway house in downtown Philadelphia. And he had to wait six months to actually come back into the gym. So in between the six months, he actually worked at a barstool shop behind the gym about a block away with family friends of ours. So I would go and have lunch with him every day. He couldn't step foot in the gym at all for six months. And then finally, he came back into the gym. This was, you know, 2001. And we were, you know, running it together again. And that's what led to the sale of the gym, opening the second location. And then after selling those two gyms, that's why we went to the outskirts of Philadelphia by the art museum to open up the third and final gym. But everything was put into my name, loans, the lease of the gym. So the, the, the culmination of this was in 2014, I uncovered a lot. I uncovered the fact that I was personally liable for every aspect of this gym. The equipment was attached to my house. So if something defaulted with the equipment, my house would be taken. I ended up having to sell that property. The lease of the gym, I was the guarantor. So if something happened with the gym, I was responsible. I ended up in 2016 having to file for personal bankruptcy. Luckily, I had two successful businesses virtually online growing outside of the gym, which enabled me to do that. But I remember that I, I was talking with my general manager and you know, we came to the conclusion that my, my dad was doing more harm than good to the gym. And she said to me, she goes, if you really want to be the owner, you got to be the only Aaron in here. And uh, I called my dad and we were, there was also, you know, my parents ended up getting divorced. There was a, a lot of, of strain uh, emotionally between the two of us. We weren't the same. We weren't talking as much. And um, I pulled him into the gym and I said, listen, I said, um, I'm going to have to take over this thing myself and you're going to have to find somewhere else to train. Hardest conversation I ever had in my entire life. The, the business coach slash life coach I was working with, he talked me through it. He said, you've become your father's father. You are enabling him to do all of this. And the only way to stop the enabling is to cut off the enabling. And he says, you got to take over this gym yourself. And when my dad acknowledged and left, uh, there, was no, there was no hesitation, but there, there was two years of silence between him and I. And I remember when I was still working with my business coach, he said, the power of resentment and anger will stop you from achieving anything that you want in your business. He goes, you got to let that shit go. And I remember that I was at this personal development event and I was, I went through this exercise uh, or clear as day. So I, I got on all fours. It was really powerful. I was on all fours and my life coach, business coach, who was running the event, got a bunch of the strongest guys in the room to all put their hands on me. So across my back, back of my head, and my business coach was in my ear, just screaming at me as if it was, he was my dad. You know, you're not good enough, all those things. And after he got me all worked up, he said, now stand up. He said, get up. And again, I had at least 660, 170 plus pound guys, both hands leaning on me. And I started to stand up a little bit. And then all of a sudden, something clicked. 
And literally, I popped right up. They all literally flew off me across the room. And this sense of release and almost this lightness about me just overtook my body. And I remember we, we took a, a lunch break shortly after that and people came up to me and they said how powerful it was to, to witness that. And I called my dad and it was the first time that I had called him in two years. And I said, listen, I said, I'm not ready to see you in person yet, but I just want to let you know that I love you. I forgive you. I'm not going to hang on to this resentment or anger anymore. We need to move forward. When I am ready to get coffee or have lunch, you'll be hearing from me. And it was a few months later that I obviously extended the olive branch and then we started hanging out again. And to this day, our relationship has never been better because we're not in business anymore together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for 16 years of my life, from the age of 18 to, to 34, you know, that's all I did. And it was, it was breaking the chains of that. It was, you know, it culminated with me filing for personal bankruptcy in 2016 when I ended my father's dream, which were these gyms and everything. And I was able to start living mine. And, and I, I'll never forget my, my lawyer after I was uh, exonerated from, from my, and the release of my bankruptcy, he put his arm around me. We were walking down the hallway at the courthouse and he said, now you can start living your life. And it, it, was, it was such a powerful moment for me because now the monkeys were off my back. You know, the chains were off. I, I was able to really start stepping into my own power and live life on my own terms. And my dad still, as often as he can, we, we talk weekly, if not more, always tells me how proud he is of me and everything that I've been able to accomplish. You know, not only the time that we were together, but all the things that I was able to do after and how I, I didn't let any of those things stop me. I used them as rocket fuel to really propel myself forward. You know, going through two divorces, losing a house, filing for personal bankruptcy, you know, having a, a very strained relationship, having your parents divorced, having your sister divorced, and having yourself get divorced. We all got divorced within six months of each other. So there was a lot of, of threads to sew back together, but we all found our way. You know, everything happens for a reason and for a purpose. So, and I love that you can say that. And I love that you've taken all of this stuff that was handed to you and you turned it into something, you know, you spun gold out of it. I think the thing that I find so intriguing is in the work that that I do with the people I work with, so often the thing that's keeping them stuck is, uh, you like, I'm not going to look at my money. Let's say it's a money issue because really deep down inside, they're afraid that it might be bankruptcy. And if it's bankruptcy, then it's that, or I'm not really going to allow the truth of my marriage to come to me because then it might be a divorce. And then I can't see past the divorce and I could keep going with your story, like different pieces of it. But I think there's what I, get from you, Scott, is that when stuff happens, like one of the things I talk a lot about is you have to receive the bad stuff as well as the good stuff. And you seem to have a unique gift for being able to stand in the truth of the shit that's happening to you. And I'm curious if you've ever had that 
feeling that most of the people I work with have, which is like, I still got to fix this. I still got to fix this. I still got to fix this. I'm not going to accept the bankruptcy. I'm not going to accept the divorce. I'm not going to accept my parents' divorce. And it doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but you kind of just stay in this fixed it mode because based on how you described yourself at 19, it sounds like you jumped into fix it mode. You went into hero mode. You went into savior mode, which tells me that's sort of your safe archetype, you know? Well, I'm a recovering people pleaser. So a pie. Yeah. (laughs) So I cared more about being liked than being respected, which means I shied away from difficult conversations. I buried a lot of things deep down inside. I swept things under the carpet and I just kind of kept to myself. I didn't want to stir the pot. I didn't want to cause any waves. And uh, again, something I learned, you know, if, if you want resolution around something, Sometimes that requires difficult conversations, but difficult conversations get easier the more that you have them. Mm. And for me, I'm not responsible for anyone else's emotions or responses to things that I say. They are, but I'm responsible for me. And if I kept focusing on filling the cups of others, making sure that everybody else is okay, making sure that no one's feathers are ruffled. Mm -hmm. I was the one that was getting hurt in the end. Mm -hmm. And it it took a long time. It wasn't overnight. It took a lot of mirror turning for me to realize that I'm the reason for all of this. It's not my dad's fault. You know, it's not the bank's fault. It's not my ex's fault. It's not this person's fault. It's me. I stopped the finger pointing. I stopped playing the blame game. I stopped playing that, oh, woe is me card because that wasn't getting me anywhere. It was only recycling the same thing to happen over and over again. I wanted to break the habit. You know, Joe Dispenza talks about this all the time, breaking the habit of being yourself. Mm. So if the habit of being you is not getting you where you want to be and is not having you living a fulfilled, happy life, got to break the habit. So when I was able to finally turn the mirror around and understand that I'm responsible for me, I got one shot at this life. There are no mulligans. This is it. There's no do-overs. You know, I can't hit restart on the gaming system. It's all I got. So am I going to continue to go down this path where, you know, I'm not really pushing myself the way that I could or I'm putting the wrong energy? into the wrong things? Or can I change the narrative? Can I start going against the grain and walking a different direction and try something new? And I am always one. One of the greatest superpowers I possess is resiliency. I'm a very resilient person. You know, I will always find a way. You talk about lemons in the lemonade. I'm all about that. You know, your failures open the doors to your successes. So if I'm not failing, I'm not succeeding Mm. because I'm not going to figure it out the first time. It may be the third time. It may be the 15th time. But you better believe that when I set my heart and my eyes on something that I want to do, I'm going to do it 100%. I don't say 110% because that doesn't exist. I do things 100%. If it's something that I want, I'm going to go get it. and. I'm going to be truthful to me. 
you know, everyone is in, in social media is to blame for a lot of this, this, the people pleaser mode, you know, the comparison worthiness, all of those things. No one should ever care about you more than yourself. That person that looks back at you each day in the mirror is your number one fan and is the number one person that you should be taking care of first. And I remember posting something like that. An old relative of mine reached out to me, calling me a very selfish person, saying that, you know, you got it all backwards. You should be taking care of everybody else first and not you. And again, whose cup is left empty at the end of that day? Theirs or mine? And 100% of the time, it's going to be theirs. So I started to make these, these slow but progressive and positive changes in my mindset because everything lies between the six inches between our ears. Once you reframe a lot of your thoughts, the actions and the feelings start to flow along with that. And if you think the journey is, is done, you know, you may be happy with where you are now. Listen, the peak of one mountain is the valley of the next. So you're always striving for better. You're always striving for progress. And I'm almost obsessed with it because I love learning new things. I'm like a kid all over again. We're, we're just grown children. You know, nothing has really changed. So I don't take myself as seriously as I used to. You know, I love the energy that I bring to life. I love the thoughts that I have. I love the outside the box thinking. And once that entrepreneurial lid is taken off, forget about it. It's game over. You know, I'm like a run, runaway locomotive and, and it's not that I can't be stopped. I don't want to be stopped. And so if someone's listening and they're hearing all this energy and this, let's get them going, I think, is it fair to say that that's possible because you've let go of taking care of your mom, making sure, I don't know if that's who it is, but like letting go of this filling of other people's cups. Like you can't be in this space of going after your own dreams if 10% of you is a string to one person and 10% to another and, and you're just constantly worried about what they think about you or you know if you're disappointing them or if you're letting them down. Is that fair? How are you supposed to make your flight in the airport if you're carrying around everyone else's baggage in your hands? You got to set those bags down so you can sprint forward. I'm not trying to save people anymore. I'm looking out for me. I'm not saying I don't care about people. I care deeply about people. Yeah. But I have to worry about me. I'm responsible for me. I remember reading a book by Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. And he said there's three types of people in this world. He said there's people that live in fear, people that live in anxiety, and people that live in peace. And he said that the people that live in fear are the ones that are always thinking about the future. You know, what if, what if, what if? They're just creating story after story after story. And then there's people that live in anxiety, which are the people that are just replaying the negative tapes of their past over and over again so they can actually never move forward. They're just living in the past. And he said there's people that live in peace. And he said the people that live in peace are the ones that are living in the time that is the only time that we can all can control. And that is the now. And he said, the more that you focus on living right now, he goes, the fear ends, the anxiety ends, and the fulfillment begins. And that's what I've been focusing on. I can't, I always tell myself, is this thought, is it true? Is this a story that I'm telling myself? Does it exist? Mm. And if it's a story, if it doesn't exist, 
I let it go because, you know, whenever my wife says, well, what if, well, what if means it hasn't happened yet. So what if means we shouldn't be talking about it because it doesn't exist. And then it's all, you know, recycling old information, you know, things from the past. What's done is done. I flush it down the toilet. I can't control what's already happened. I can't control what's going to happen. I can only can control right now. And every single person watching and listening to this has the same God-given power to do that. It's about choice. You can choose to let go of the past. You can choose to focus on right now. It's up to you. And if you want something to change, you have to change something that you're doing. Mm, I love that. So Scott, I know we're running out of time right now because you had a hard stop. So you have a book coming out that's not about this. It's about, I imagine we didn't, you know what? I did not book Scott for this because he has a book coming out. He just even told me right before we started the interview. So you're going to be previewing it by the time this episode drops. So we'll um, send people to pattylennon.com forward slash Scott and tell them what this is about. Yeah. Uh, the book is called uh, The LinkedIn Book for Sales and Marketing. It's a, a follow-up to one of my original books that I wrote four years ago, but it's obviously updated with new information. And it's more for the, the entrepreneur and the business owner that is really looking to leverage LinkedIn the right way, understanding organic lead generation, human connection, generating sales, marketing and branding yourself in an organic and genuine way. And you know the, the book, it's, it's been a lot of fun to actually rewrite and redo. I have a lot of great testimonials that didn't exist four years ago that are in there now. I have all the new added features to LinkedIn that have been added over the last four years. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that it spreads uh, widely as, as much as it did my first book, which was a very highly regarded LinkedIn book. And I know this one's going to be better and, and looking forward to people uh, to getting their hands on it. That's awesome. And you can find Scott at scotterin.net as well. And is there any other places that you want people connecting with you? Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn, you can find me. Just type in Scott Aaron um, on Instagram. It's at Scott Aaron LinkedIn. Uh, and you can find me on Facebook as well. If you Google, if you Google me, you'll find me. I'm there you go. Just Google them, everyone. Just Google, Google them. me. Just Google me. Well, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing so honestly, Scott. I so appreciate you. Well, Patty, I appreciate you and, and I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to be on here today. And I hope a lot of people took away, uh, away you know, a lot of positive things from it. I'm sure they did. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. All right, everyone. Have a great day. Don't forget, make space for magic and specifically by letting go of the old shit. Hey, thanks for listening. If you know someone who needs to hear this message, please share this episode with them. And if you're feeling really generous, I'd love for you to leave us a review at your favorite podcast app. It helps us reach many more people and it fills my heart with so much joy when I hear what you have to say about what I've shared. I'm cheering for your success. Have an amazing day. And don't forget, always create space for magic. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's Voices Amplified.